Hey, this is Mason, and you are listening to episode 22 of the Happy Raccoon Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. If you are back after that emotional and somewhat draining episode 21, you're a real happy raccoon, and I appreciate you for returning because... To be honest with you, it was my own podcast, and last week's episode was a hard listen. Um, might have been a hard listen because I already had to live what actually happened in that episode. Um, if you're curious to learn about it, um, you can pause this one, head back to episode 21. Um, but anyways, if you've made it on to episode 22, thank you so much for tuning in. You're awesome, and I love you very much. Um, truthfully, I really do. I really, um, really appreciate you tuning in um, to all of my regular listeners. I put a lot of work into these podcasts, so the fact that you listen to them uh, regularly means a lot to me. If this is your first time here, welcome. Um, I bounce around this podcast, man. I'm just gonna cut, you know, just be straightforward with you. Um, and you know what? It turns out a lot of people actually like that about this podcast. They kind of like that it's a little bit different every time. Um, sometimes I talk about. Um, what I'm learning in Bible college and I talk about how God is moving in my life. Or sometimes I talk about um, the goofiest things I can find on the internet and sometimes uh, I talk about whatever I want. So um, I appreciate that people appreciate the randomness of the Happy Raccoon podcast. It is consistent with the name Happy Raccoon because if you imagine Happy Raccoon, you could probably think of them doing all sorts of different random stuff. So Anyways, but we're here for episode 22. Um, this is the Clayton Kershaw episode. I'm a big Clayton Kershaw fan. He wears number 22. That's not that good of a, any sort of content that anybody cares about, so I should probably just move on from that. Um, anyway, man, yeah, we're here for 22. And uh, gosh, what's been going on? Um, Haven, my firstborn daughter, she can spell things now. She spells dad and mom and her name, which is... Not so good because Becca and I's last resort is to speak in code of, of spelling things. So whenever we want to say anything of PG-13 um, uh, content, we have to spell it to one another. So that's kind of a bummer. But otherwise, um, she's just she's too smart for her own good, man. And we get people that tell us that all the time. And it's true. She definitely gets that from her mom. I've always been a little bit on the... A little bit on the dumber side, um, you know, all good. Dude, so long story short, my uh, my beloved church that I love, um, Bridgewater Conklin, New York, Bridgewater Church of Conklin, New York, there is six locations of Bridgewater. Um, we are the Conklin location. Um, the other five include two other... Or uh, one other New York, um, and then a handful of Pennsylvania, and then that includes the online campus, which they consider online to have its own campus. But is it really a campus if it's online? Because it's not a campus um, by the word campus. But regardless, um, our church over the last like year has been slowly bleeding leadership, and we lost um, our head pastor, and the church is currently looking for a new one, and then. Our worship pastor also left, um, and they left on good terms. Um, they all went to go and pursue new ministries that they feel God is leading them towards, which is great, and I wish them the very best. But it's left people like me um, to fill holes in my own little way. So our worship pastor left, and I had been asked a handful of times to help out on the worship band, and I hadn't um, because Sunday mornings are really hard for for us to get all, you know, packed up and 
on our way to church in the morning with the kids and Haven is just so hit or miss with nursery. Sometimes she's like, heck yeah, let's do it. Nursery, gonna play like crazy. And then sometimes we go in there and, you know, she just loses it and screams and cries and doesn't let me leave and all that. So it's super hit or miss. So I thought, you know what, now's just not a good time to help out on the worship band. But then our worship pastor left, so I thought, shoot, I should just go ahead and volunteer myself, volunteer myself, excuse me. Um, and thus I did. So I played my first week. Um, that was two weeks ago. Um, and I sang a song that was really not in a key that I should be singing or even humming, but I did my best. I thought it sounded okay. I don't trust my wife um, worth a darn on on her honest feedback on things because, you know, she's too sweet and nice, I think, to tell me the truth or whether or not I sounded bad. Um, But anyways, uh, it was really funny because the former worship pastor and I, very different looking individuals. He's a wonderful guy. His name's Aaron. Um, I love Aaron. But, you know, he definitely leans a little bit more into, you know, the dad realm. He's, you know... Losing a little bit of hair. No offense, Aaron. He's a little bit, losing a little bit of hair, but you know he wears a button-down, shorts, and flip-flops. Um, he's probably like maybe 35, I would guess. Um, but his persona is a lot different than I am. Now, personality-wise, he and I are, are a lot more similar than how we look. And so he goes up there and he just looks like a, you know a real sweet church guy, you know, um, and he is. And I go up there and I like to think that I'm a real sweet church guy, but I wore a backwards hat and then I have a bunch of tattoos on my arm and so I look different than what the church congregation is used to seeing on stage. All that to say, after I finished the first service, I got the greatest and meanest backhanded compliment that I had ever gotten in my life. I had an old lady come up to me, and she she's not old. She's probably like maybe like she's not old. Old is bad for all my people that are that are seasoned that are listening to this podcast. I did not mean to say old. Okay, she's probably like maybe sixty. Sixty's not old. Okay, eighties uh, old, I think. So sixty years old, and she comes up to me afterwards, and she said, "Hey, I thought you did a really great job for someone who looks so out of place." Uh, how did I look out of place, you know? So anyways, that kept me up all night long for several nights. How did I look so out of place? I don't really know. Uh, it kind of it didn't hurt my feelings, but it did make me laugh really hard. Um, yeah, so she said, like, you know, you did really well for being so out of place. I don't know. So anyways, so I have that to look forward to. Hopefully they get used to me. Um, I'm only going to be serving probably like once or twice a month. Um and uh, I am looking forward to it. I, I've always said that I don't consider myself to be a very musical person. Um, I'm just self-taught. So it's like saying that I'm not a mechanic, but I did teach myself to change the oil in my car. I've been playing the guitar, and I've been fluent in, in guitar for like over about 10 years now. I'd say a little bit more than that. Yeah, probably a little bit more than that. I was like 11 when I learned to play. Um, I'll be 25 in September. So yeah, 13, 13, 14 years or so now I've been playing. And 
Um, all that to say is, you know, I, I'm self-taught. I had a chord book that somebody sent us. We were in New Guinea and I had this old beater guitar and the strings were like half an inch off of the fret and my fingers were like bleeding trying to play this thing. And I had like this chord book from the 1980s. It was all colorful and goofy. And I just learned a bunch of different chords. I learned how to switch back and forth chords. I asked a handful of people some questions on how they do this and how they do that. And they taught me some different little pointers here and there. Long story short, I was able to play through a song and then I was able to learn songs pretty quickly. And then now, for the most part, I'd say that when, especially when it comes to worship songs, there's no song that I can't play on the guitar. But all that to say is that I, I know nothing of music theory. When someone says, okay, we're going to actually change the key to a key of G from C or whatever, I have no idea what chords to play and how to change the sheet music. I have no idea how to sing differently. Dude, I am like totally not like inclined musically with like music theory. So I got to try and figure that out because I really do feel like I am somewhat of a hindrance on the worship band. They're like, okay, we're actually change the key. And I'm like, okay, well, how do you do that? Um, anyways, but yeah, I'd say that I've been playing for like 12 or 13 years and I am as good as someone who's been playing for probably like two, um, but it's all good, baby. We just learned at church uh, where they just had a sermon actually about how God does not use the most talented all the time. He uses the most willing. And I suppose that I'm willing, um, even though I am so out of place. All good. You know what I mean? All good. Um, they also, she told me that, you know, after one of the hardest weeks of my life, go back to episode 21 to hear about that, but it's all good. Ah, it's all good. Not hurt at all. Anyways, if you guys know any good therapists, reach out to me. Um, anyway, so after last week's episode, I decided that I just kind of wanted to keep this thing light, keep it fun. Um, we're going to go back into an old segment that um, dates back to the earlier days of a few months ago. Um, we're going to be talking about my favorite news articles happening right now. I kid you not. Okay. We're jumping right into this first one, and this is actually going to go on for a long bit. Actually, you know what? We're going to jump into a few other ones before we go into this one, because I think this is going to be the big subject of this podcast. We're going to jump into this article here, a sealed copy of Mario Super Mario 64, which is a video game, I believe, for the Nintendo 64. Um, it just sold for $1.56 million. That's $1,560,000. Um, it's just a video game. It's a sealed copy of 1996 Super Mario 64 in its original box. It's a world record. Um, that's unbelievable. And it really made me wonder how many different things I have held in my possession that if I had just taken care of or kept in a sealed box, how much they'd be worth today. I was born in 96, and it actually does make me feel a little bit old knowing that something from my birth year is worth that much. Like, I don't feel like I've been on the earth long enough that things from my birth year um, can be worth that much. It's kind of a little bit crazy. Um, it says here that that's a rec breaking a record after Zelda, um, a sealed Zelda, I guess, um, was sold for $1 million. So it broke that by almost five hundred. Uh, broke it by over five hundred thousand dollars. That's that's like crazy. Um, yeah, I really do wonder how many different things in my 
life that I have had at one point. Like, I feel like we had a Nintendo 64 and we might have had that very game. I wonder how many different things that if I had held on to them and kept them in really good condition um, would be worth much. And I, I wonder what things I have now that would be worth a bunch in 25 years. I don't think I have anything, honestly. But then again, I wouldn't have thought of that back then. Like, is my PlayStation 4, is that going to be worth $1.5 million in 25 years? All that to say is I'm, like, well on my way into turning into a hoarder because I'm going to start not throwing anything away at this point. Um, Because who would have thought that a sealed copy of, you know, Super Mario 64... To give Super Mario credit, it was a great video game, and it was like a generational game. I mean, it was like, you know, everyone has played that game, so I don't know. But then again, like, I feel like it was as big to play Mario Kart on the original Wii, so maybe that'll be worth a bunch of money. I don't know. I think it makes me remember one of the biggest regrets of my life is I had a friend, his name was John Cohen, shout out to John Cohen, Uh, when I was a missionary kid. Um, he and I met on furlough one year and he was my best friend and he was the sweetest guy, a super nice guy. And John gave me because his dad, who's a, I believe a probation officer worked with Johnny Bench. If you don't know who Johnny Bench is, he was a catcher for the Cincinnati Reds, I believe back in the seventies and eighties on the big red machine. Um, arguably one of the best catchers of all time, multiple gold, gold glove winner, one of the toughest dudes ever. One time there was a broken bat. And a piece of the bat went into his neck. He was carted off the field and he played the next day. So we're talking about a total stud here. And I read a book about him and I loved him. And John Cohen, knowing that, was able to get me an actual autographed Hall of Fame baseball um, from Johnny Bench. So Johnny Bench autographed it and it was like a a special baseball. Um, Actually, I'm going to look up right now how much it's worth now. Um, let's see, Johnny Bench autographed Hall of Fame ball. He's in the Hall of Fame, by the way. Just so, just so y'all know. You know, I think it was a gold glove ball. I think it was, it was, yeah, I think it was the gold glove ball. Let's see. Yes, okay. So that right now, the Johnny Bench gold glove award baseball it'd be worth three about 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 250 there's one here yeah they're going for like 230 right now so i'm gonna go 250 because i feel like it and uh anyways but i love that baseball right and um i did what were what was probably worse than what they did in the sandlot with the babe ruth baseball I loved it so much that I thought it'd be a good idea to take it with us back to Papua New Guinea. So we pack it up. It's in like its its case, but it's not like a sealed case. It's just like a plastic case. And, um, you know, we take it back to New Guinea. And I, I think I just put it on my dresser. I didn't even think anything of it. And, you know, New Guinea is obviously home to all sorts of different animals and insects and creatures and people. Uh, but it's also home to different types of fungus and different types of weird microorganisms like that. Look at me go with that word, microorganisms. I have no idea if I actually used that word correctly just now. But um, one day I go to look at my Johnny Bench baseball and I see like a yellow smudge on it. And I'm like, what in the world is that yellow smudge? And then I show it to my dad and he said, huh, that's weird. Let's just leave it alone. 
I come back two weeks later and that yellow smudge has almost engulfed the entire baseball. So pretty much some weird fungus thing attached itself, I guess, to the leather of the baseball. And it turned the baseball pretty much into like a tennis ball. Um, and we ended up just like throwing it away, I think. There was no like salvaging it at that point. Um, and so I lost my Johnny Bench baseball to that. What a bummer. All good. I wish I could have saved it, waited till Johnny Bench died, and then sold it for, you know, $1.56 million like Super Mario. But all good. Big shout out to John Cohen for that gift. Sorry I ruined it. Next article, dude. This one was a doozy. I don't really know what to make of this, and I don't really know how much is worth sharing about this. I just thought it was interesting. The article reads, Michigan man finds 160 bowling balls under back stairs. It's too many bowling balls. Um, A Michigan man demolished the back landing of his home, made a surprising discovery under the stairs. 160 bowling balls. You know, like I've heard stories of people finding things under their house. I've heard stories of people finding bodies, um, you know, safes with like old coins and cash that are worth tons of money. Um, I've, you know, I've heard of things like that. This guy probably thought that he found something really cool and then was really disappointed to find out that it was only bowling balls. That must have been a real bummer. Uh, David Olson is his name. He said he was just taking apart the stairs behind his Muskegon home. Uh, changed that name of that town, obviously. July 1st, when he noticed a spherical object in the sand behind some cinder blocks. He's probably thinking, cool, maybe it's like a Revolutionary War era, like cannonball or something cool. That was one of the bowling balls, he says. I didn't think a whole lot of it. I was kind of assuming maybe there was just a couple in there to fill in. The deeper I got into it, the more I realized it was basically an entire grid work of them making up the weight in there. So... Oh, so it looks like somebody used the bowling balls as the foundation of the home. Olson said he continued to dig ensuing days and found 160 bowling balls. The homeowner said the house was built in 1959 while the Brunswick Bowling Products Factory was still operating in Muskegon. Oh, there you go. So it was like a Brunswick connection there. The factory produced bowling balls, pins, and other products before the company relocated its operation to Mexico, and that's why we lose so many jobs. Olson said former Brunswick employees contract contacted him on social media and said it was common practice for workers to take unusable balls home as a substitute for gravel or sand in construction. How interesting. Who would have thought that I'd be so interested? He said the balls are no good for bowling anymore, but he plans to put them put some of them to use. He says, I plan to keep a lot of them, like some of them looking, some of the nice looking ones, to do some edging. So he's going to just reuse them for more. Okay. I'm I'm confused as to why I'm interested in this, but it's so clearly not interesting. And that is just so Michigan to be that uninteresting. Michigan's the most uninteresting place that's ever existed since the dawn of time. Okay. So now let's talk about the real article I wanted to talk about, and that's going to segue into really the whole subject of this podcast. I had no idea about this because I'm pretty sure the barbershop that I go to does this or has been doing this, but apparently for the last however hundred many years that this law has been in place, it has been illegal for barbers in New York State to give haircuts on Sundays. I had no idea. 
That's some like Leslie No Parks and Rec type of laws right here. But sure enough, I looked it up and up until July 13th, which is exactly today, I'm recording this today. I know they're supposed to come out today, but life is getting really crazy with my schoolwork and all that, so do apologize. Anyways, but July 13th, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, this guy's just really digging around anywhere he can to, to get people back on his side, um, signed legislation Tuesday to get rid of an archaic law that banned barbers from working on Sundays. Cuomo announced Tuesday that the new law, which takes effect immediately, does does away with a state law that made it a misdemeanor for a barber to cut hair or provide a shave to a customer on Sunday. An archaic law, I think that's the right word, an archaic law that made it a misdemeanor, oh, sorry, my phone's bouncing around. Multiple barbers working in the state said that they had no idea that such a law was ever on the books. That's why I, that's why I think my barber didn't know. Yeah, I'm surprised we've, in quote, someone saying this. Yeah, I'm surprised we've never been open on Sunday, but several people are. I had no idea it was ever a law, but I'm glad we never broke it. Connie Johnson, the owner of the Sportsman Barbershop in Watertown, told WWNY-TV. A bill to, or the bill to repeal the law was introduced by Republican State Senator Joe Griffo. Barbershops and salon, like small, like all small businesses, have faced significant, unprecedented, strenuous challenges during the coronavirus pandemic, Griffo said. By removing the outdated and unnecessary laws such as this, the businesses will be provided with an additional opportunity to recover financially. Interesting. Um, anyway, so I thought that was really kind of wild that they would not make it legal to cut hair on Sundays. It seems a little strange. Um, it's definitely some Chick-fil-A type you know, deal there, but obviously I think it's just an you know, old law and back when America was more of a Christian nation, I would say it was probably a law to, you know, encourage people to go to church on Sundays. Um, truth be told, I don't care whether or not they're barbers on Sundays. I don't have the time to cut my hair on Sundays. In fact, I would love to go to one specific barber, but my life is so busy that whenever I need a haircut, I just find whoever's next at the local barbershop I go to or whoever's available. Um, I would love to go to a specific barber, but ain't got time for that. You guys remember that video, that lady? Anyways, um, all I have to say is this got me on a whole new trail of what other laws are super weird across the United States. So I did a little bit of digging, and I've got some strange laws that um, are, you know, still apparently on the books. Some of them have recently um, come off of the books, but I just kind of share some of these with you. Okay, here's a weird law. Um, first of all, it's, it's actually not that weird of a law. It seems pretty obvious of a law, but, um, you can't make fake drugs in Arizona. That's not that interesting at all. Um, you cannot throw rocks at trains in Wisconsin. Um, who's doing that for one? Are you that bored in Wisconsin? But apparently it's on the books that it's a, it's an actual misdemeanor to do that. Um, in the state of Michigan, blasphemy is illegal. So if you used God's name in vain, it's actually against the law in Michigan, which I suppose is a good thing. Um, however, it does seem a little bit of a violation of free speech. So all good. Um, in Utah, this is a real thing, by the way. These are real laws. You can look it up. In Utah, it is illegal to bite while you are boxing someone. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean... Some of these laws are like, you, you know, common sense things, but um, this one really made me laugh here. Um, swearing at sports events in Massachusetts is illegal. 
Now, I don't know if you guys know anything about Massachusetts people or their sports fans like the Boston Red Sox or the New England Patriots, but they're not the most clean-cut, family-friendly individuals. So I do find it pretty funny that um, this is illegal. Uh, but here is here's, uh, what it says. It says, if you're over 16, it's against the law to swear at players or officials during sporting events in Massachusetts. I've never I've never been to a Red Sox Yankees game, but I've heard stories, and I'm actually going to a Red Sox game at the end of this month. Um, I happen to know that the Red Sox don't like the Yankees very much, and I have a hard time feeling that this game or this law is actually enforced, because um, I'm sure Alex Rodriguez can, can attest to that. Um, let's see here. Oh, this one's real weird. Um, in Vermont, it is illegal to use clotheslines. Now, I don't know if Vermont is just where all the dryer machines come from, but apparently it's illegal to use clotheslines. Now, that just seems really dumb. Um, but in 2009, Vermont made it illegal for um, neighborhoods to... Uh... Oh, my... oh, I read this wrong. I'm so sorry, Vermont. I'm so sorry, Vermont. Vermont banned people banning clotheslines, which is somehow worse. So people who, like like neighborhood associations... Um, like uh, you know, the homeowners association type things that ban clothesline can no longer ban clotheslines. Um, Vermont needs to spend their time doing things other than worrying about clotheslines, and that goes to the homeowners association. That goes to the actual state government. It's weird. Need to get a hobby. Okay. Um, up until 2019, this is absolutely real, by the way. Up until 2019. It was illegal to throw snowballs in Severance, Colorado. Um, And apparently a nine-year-old boy was instrumental in turning that over. So that's really interesting. Um, Let's see here. Oh, this one's my favorite one. This is my absolute favorite one. I almost want to save that one for last. Oh, here we go. Yeah, I'm going to save that last one for last because it's, it's, it's so good. Um... In Indiana, it's illegal to sniff glue for the intention of getting high. I can you really get high from smelling glue? That sounds a little bit incorrect. So here's one: adultery is still a crime in New York. Apparently, you can get up to ninety days. This is apparently still in the books. So you can get up to ninety days in jail and a five hundred dollar fine for having or committing adultery in the state of New York. That is wild especially with how like liberal and fluid as they would say the new york state is especially being that i can name a handful of people in new york that are of importance um that have had adultery i don't know if you consider i don't, I don't know if andrew cuomo is married but i know he's under fire from you know for some handsy or wordsy jazz going on in his uh in his office, but I also know Giuliani is not that good of a guy, and we all know who Donald Trump is, and, you know, there's, of course, stories about that guy, so clearly this is not being enforced, but definitely wild that it's on the books. Okay, this is a, this is absolutely real, by the way. If, if you don't believe me, look it up. Biting someone's arm off is illegal in Rhode Island. That's right. You cannot bite another individual's arm off. That is some serious preemptive zombie apocalypse things because apparently as long as you make it illegal zombies won't bite arms off they'll just oh it's illegal and they just give up um let's see here 
Uh, I think I'm running out of my favorite ones. Let's see. Okay, yeah, that's pretty much it. Let's go on to my favorite one. Uh, and that is, drumroll please, dun, 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 dun. it is illegal in the state of North Carolina for bingo games to last more than five hours. That is absolutely true. Now, I've worked in nursing homes before, and I know some ladies that would be rather ticked off to hear that their bingo games can't last that long. But it is absolutely a law that bingo games cannot last more than five hours. Now, here's the real question. Would anyone actually want to play bingo for more than, like, 30 minutes? Because, you know, it's a little out of control. Let's be honest. Five hours of bingo is... it's. A little unfair um, to anybody that has to be within 50 miles of that happening um, but apparently that's a law you can't play bingo for more than five hours in North Carolina so to all the nursing homes out there I greatly apologize um, and make sure you guys wrap it up at four hours and 59 minutes because I'd hate to see y'all get in trouble um, nursing homes have enough to deal with with the pandemic okay the pandies on their tails all the time um, animals are probably breaking into their nursing homes that we've seen many times on this podcast. So just wrap it up at four hours, 59 minutes, um, and you won't be in trouble. But anyways, those have been my favorite weird laws throughout the United States. I'm sure there's a lot more that I could uncover if I felt like it, but don't feel like it. So, all right. And as we're getting ready to close up this episode, this has been a lot more fun. I needed to have a fun episode after last week's episode and after really how crazy my life has been the last week. Um, I finished the Love of God class. I shared that with you last episode. And today, or actually yesterday, I started two new classes with Ethnos 360 Bible Institute. And I am looking forward to sharing with you more about those classes. Um, the first one is Meta Narrative of Scripture with Scott Keen. Scott Keen was actually my dorm dad. They have like dorm parent type deals, but it's basically just, you know, sort of a discipleship program. Um, he was my dorm dad when I was on campus with New Tribes in 2014. He's now the professor there. Um, he's a professor then too, actually, but he's teaching Meta Narrative of Scripture, which is essentially breaking down the Bible and all of its themes and how I fit, me little old Mason Cratch fits into God's overall big story. Um, I'm really excited to hear more about the themes of scripture and how it all communicates with one another and what makes the Bible have such authority. So I'm really looking forward to this class. Um, the other one that I'm taking is with, um, again, Mr. I just had him. I feel so bad for drawing a blank on his name. Mike Sullivan, Mr. Mike Sullivan, um, who I did the love of God with. He was a fantastic teacher. He really makes me laugh. Um, and the next class with him is Understanding Suffering, um, which I'm assuming we will, re- we will be reading through the book of Job. And um, and that's going to be a really great class. I, I think if, if you know Mike does even half as well as he did on the love of God, I think I'm really going to enjoy um, listening and, and listening to his lectures and reading through the book of Job as I learned from Mike Sullivan in Understanding Suffering. Um, he made me laugh today. Um, he put on the bulletin board, he said, 
Forgot to make changes to the syllabus. The assignment lists are okay along with the other instructions throughout the lessons. I'm changing the syllabus shortly. Thanks for asking. And he said, I was sure I'd changed the syllabus, but at 74, who knows what I did a few minutes ago. I sure don't. That made me laugh, dude. Probably because I read it at like 4 o'clock in the morning because Lennon does not sleep ever. But yeah, Mike Sullivan, he's an old dude. He, he's He's been around. Um, but I'm looking forward to both these classes. Uh, I'm especially looking forward to understanding suffering. I remember when I was just 15 years old and I had my first job at Pavilions, which is a grocery store in Simi Valley, California. Um, I bagged groceries and pushed carts around. I did it for a few months. Um, you know, I've always been super open with my faith towards other people. Um, and I, you know, I was, I remember trying to share the gospel and share Jesus with, um, a coworker of mine. And she was like an older lady. She was a, a cashier and, um, she was really, really nice. And I remember talking to her about Jesus and she told me that, you know, I just, I just don't think I can, I don't think I can believe in a God because, you know, my, my son, when he was about 12 years old, was hit by a car when he was on a bicycle and he died. And I just don't know how God, how God um, could do that to me. And at the time, at that age, I had absolutely no idea how to respond to that. Um, now I feel a little bit more like I do, but I feel that a classic understanding suffering could be really beneficial to preparing me to have hard conversation about um you know, why God allows us to suffer the pains of the earth and why it is that we die and why it is that, you know, we feel pain and all of that. So anyways, I'm really looking forward to going through the class. I think it's going to add a lot into, you know, my desire to, um, to love other people and my desire to witness other people. So anyways, I'm really excited about it. Um, and I can't wait to share with you guys a little bit more about it. And, uh, Anyways, thank you guys so much for tuning in to episode 22. This has been a fun epi. It's been a good time. I, uh, I do appreciate you listening in a lot. Um, Becca does as well. And uh, speaking of Becca, I think she's still awake, so I'm going to go and uh, give her a couple kisses and, um, you know, see what's up. So anyways, thanks so much, you guys, for tuning in to episode 22. I hope you have a fantastic week. Um, you know what? I actually have never asked this before, but if you're listening to this on whatever platform, really, um, if you're listening to this to on Apple Podcasts, though, make sure you guys subscribe. Um, I really would appreciate it a lot. It helps, you know, get the word out there about the podcast a little bit more. And if you feel so inclined, throw me a five star on there, or maybe a four if you really feel like it. Honestly, if you're going to throw me three, two, or one, don't even bother. Um, I'm not, you know, it's going to hurt my feelings. Let's be honest. So, but I really appreciate it. I'm enjoying this podcast a lot. I'd love to see the listener group grow a little bit. Um, you know, sometimes I shoot myself in the foot with episodes like 21 where maybe I get a little bit too deep and off focus. I know a lot of people are here to have a laugh and have a good time, um, and I'm happy to provide that as well. But I'm also just super real, and I just want to share with you what's going on in my life. So who knows? Um, I'm trying to actually force myself to stop looking at the daily listens because I'll get, you know, too discouraged or I'll read into too much as to why one episode got, you know, too low of listens. Was it because it says something on the episode before? I don't really know. So regardless, um, I truly am just thankful that you guys are here with me and that you guys are going on this crazy adventure with me. So anyways, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I do appreciate it a lot. I appreciate you, everybody. And uh, gosh darn it, just have a great week.